When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Bucketheads Land Grant Hoylands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with Justin Goble for episode 60 of the show that they pay us to do, where we take turns talking about basketball and also a lot of not basketball. Uh, Justin, it's 60 degrees outside and gas is under $3 a gallon. How are we doing today? They're paying you for this? Uh-oh. Redact. Just kidding. No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, I'm good. It's, uh, it's, it's raining in Cleveland, but I'm pretty sure that's just the natural state of Cleveland. So, um, it's all good. Donovan Mitchell had 71 points the other day. Um, I was watching, I was like watching that also trying to watch the Monday Night Football stuff and, and try to figure out what was going on there. But so that was kind of a weird dynamic of like celebrating the Cavs winning and Donovan Mitchell having one of the best performances I've ever seen, but also hoping that DeMar Hamlin was okay. It was it was very weird. Um, but, you know, thoughts and prayers with DeMar Hamlin and hopefully that situation gets figured out. Um, well, I was going to ask you about uh, sports betting before you left it at that really somber note. And because I'm an asshole, I'm going to go ahead and continue anyways. Have we have we won all of our bets now that that sports betting is legal in Ohio? I'm assuming that you've won all your bets and you'll continue to win all your bets, correct? Yeah, it's not betting when you're as smart as I am, Connor. Um, no, I've won like one bet. It was, system. It, yeah, it's not. It's not. I've, I've won like one bet, and it was the Ohio State Northwestern game. So shout out to the Buckeyes for that. That was a pretty easy one in my opinion, anyway, because it was like two and a half. Um, but. I don't understand how lines work. I don't understand how spreads work. I don't really understand how betting works. I just know that I have less money in my bank account than I did on the New Year's Day. So, I got a free 50 bucks through DraftKings. This is no free ad. No free ads. We're not promoting them technically. But I got a free 50 through them. And I'm, and you can only use it in like one game. Like they give you 50 bucks. But they're like, you have to use it all at one time. So I'm going to slap that entire amount on Ohio State, I think, against Purdue on Thursday. That's my Oh, for sure. Plan. Yeah, I'm definitely putting any type of money on that because I know the spread's probably going to be weird. I don't know. The Purdue just lost, so I, it might be different. But I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know how it works. But so far, I'm 1-0 in Ohio State, so might as well keep going with that. I think that they do it like 24 hours in advance, so I don't even know if there would be a line yet for Ohio State and Purdue. Uh, I do like the logic, though, of like root, like putting money against Ohio State just so it's a win-win. Either I win money or Ohio State wins. Um, yes. Yeah. If if Michigan and Ohio State would have met in the national championship in football, I was going to put like 100 bucks on Michigan just to like emotionally. Somebody cut that if you could, please. Uh, no, that leave it. The, cut that from the podcast if we could. I'm not. I'm not. That's, that's going to get clipped. We haven't been clipped yet because we're not big enough, but that's going to get clipped. I'm not scared. Anyway, there's some huge games happening in the Big Ten this week uh, with – Pretty massive implications for the conference title. I'm sure in March we'll look back and one or two games will be the difference. Um, but none bigger than Ohio State-Purdue Thursday night. The number 24 Buckeyes welcome top-ranked Purdue 
although the Boilers will drop in the AP poll this upcoming Monday since they did lose to Rutgers a few days ago. However, Justin, Ohio State has actually played two basketball games since we last recorded. Have they? Oh, they have. Um, yeah, Alabama A&M, that was a – that was a peak game of like games are 40 minutes. Stop commenting at halftime about possible like huge losses. I saw people like they're going to lose this game. I said, no, they're not. They're not going to lose that game. And they didn't. They won by 30. Um, that's the thing. And I want to point this out. And it kind of goes to Northwestern too. The thing I like about this team is they beat the shit out of the teams they're supposed to beat the shit out of. And it's really fun to watch because sometimes teams really, you know, you see teams play down to their level or maybe it's hard for them to get up for some of these like non-conference games. We talked about earlier with, with when Iowa lost to like Eastern Illinois and stuff, those games around Christmas break give coaches nightmares because there's so much going on. You know, you're trying to get guys back from break. You're trying to get guys to break. You guys have finals. Guys are starting new semesters. Like there's so much off the court going on that it's, it, it can be hard to focus. And, um, and they've every game they're supposed to win, even like the Cincinnati one and stuff like that, they have, and they've beat the hell out of the teams they've done. So um, Northwestern obviously kind of falls in that. I didn't think they'd beat Northwestern the way they did. Uh, that was kind of a mix of a perfect circumstance of like just in the first half, Ohio, everything Ohio State was doing was working. Everything Northwestern was doing wasn't working. But um, that that's a fun thing to have because it makes it easier to not have one or two really bad losses come March. Yeah, I did not think they were going to win that game by that much. It was like Northwestern. I, I forget. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of how much they were up in the first. It was some crazy. It was 32 to at the highest it got was 37 to 10. No, because it was 34 to. Uh, uh, they, led by, they led by 28 at some point in the second half, but like leading by 28 in double digit scoring, like doesn't yeah. look as crazy to me as like when I turn the score on when I when I look and it's like I don't remember. It was like. It was, 30, it was 32 to 8 30, at one point. I was just going to say, it was like 32 to 8. I was like, good God. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, I know that Northwestern's fraudulent. Like, we knew they were going to be like the bottom four team in the Big Ten, but they had started out. I mean, they beat Michigan State, so. That is, man, that is, that is going to, that is more of, at the end of the season, it's going to be, it's going to be a red mark on Michigan State more than anything. Yes, correct. Yeah, it's, it's going to be like, how did that happen? I do think Northwest will win some games in the Big Ten. They'll they'll sneak out a couple at like at Evans in Evanston, and you know, I mean, I think they played Minnesota twice. So they'll probably beat them twice, but probably not. Actually, they'll probably lose at the barn. But um, yeah, Northwestern definitely is a eleven to thirteen. I mean, Minnesota's fourteen. I'd say Northwestern's definitely eleven to thirteen right now. And um, yeah, I, there's not. It's it's funny because we kept harping like. There's no easy games in the Big Ten. There's no easy games in the Big Ten. And then the second game they play in the Big Ten is essentially an easy game. But, um, yeah, I I mean, if you play that game ten times, I think you get that exact result once. I don't think Ohio State would jump out to that kind of lead that early, that quick. Every Like, Chase Aldij really struggled in the first half. Just some uncharacteristic things from Northwestern. But um, it was nice to see Ohio State kind of seem to capitalize on every little mistake. And I tweeted at halftime, you know, this was obviously a little bit facetiously but um that you know they're up they're up by 18 on the road in big temple no notes obviously there was notes to be had and stuff but at the end of the day like road games in the big 10 are so unbelievably hard if you're up by 20 at any point you're doing something right so that was fun to watch yeah northwestern just doesn't have 
like they don't have any size at all. They have no, they don't have a center. They lost Pete Nance. They lost Ryan Young, both of the transfer portal. You know, you don't plan for that as a coach. You know, you, it's not like when you're recruiting and you're like, Oh, by this year, I'm going to lose Pete. I'm going to lose Ryan. We need to have a new center by then. It just kind of happens in the summer. Like, you already have your recruiting class coming in and you think you know your roster. And then it's like, boom, Pete Nance, a seven-footer who can shoot threes. He gone. Uh, Ryan yeah. Young, who I never thought was an amazing player, but like he's solid. He's gone too. So they like they don't really have a center. Uh, Matthew Nicholson, I think, is their center. Respectfully, yeah. he, was, he was not very good. So Ohio State outscored them. Man, points in the paint. Hold on. I got to see the point. It was like 36 to 14 or something. I mean – 32 to 14. Yeah, and Ohio I tweeted I tweet that for the game. Like, they wanted. Yeah, I tweeted that for the games. Like, Zed Key should be able to pretty much dictate what he wants to do down low, and he pretty much did. Justice Suing is looking really good at a really good time because they're going to need him pretty much every single game. I still stand by. He is their most valuable player. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Northwestern is a team. Like, if, if the transfer pool didn't exist, they'd probably have a pretty good starting five. But, unfortunately, the transfer – like – Ohio, like every team loses guys to the transfer portal, but like Ohio State is able to reload in the transfer portal and pretty much objectively in Chris Holtman's tenure has won the transfer portal. Northwestern doesn't bring anybody in. They just lose guys. So it's that's a really tough thing to – I mean, they have two guys at North Carolina and Duke. You know, that's 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 no, that's nothing to scoff at. Plus, Miller Cop would still be there if he wasn't Indiana. So their starting five this year could be Boo Booey, Chase Audige, Miller Cop, Pete Nance, and Ryan Young, that's like a top five team in the conference. That's a very, very good team. Um, but, you know, the transfer portal taketh or taketh and it doesn't giveth to Northwestern. So, um, unfortunately, I do I like their uniforms, but um, I don't love their team. Yeah, you mentioned Justice Suing. Uh, the last four games, it, you know, he kind of been up and down. He started the season 20 points, 11 points. Then he had a couple of single digits. Then he went 11, 33, 12, <laughs> 6. Like he's had a couple really, really good games and a few games where he's just kind of been bad. But the last four games, 13, 18, 15, 16. So he's scored in double digits in the last four games. I'm not going to do the math and average that out, but it's somewhere around 15 points per game he's averaging. Um, Which is exactly where he needs to be. By the way, yeah. The last two games, he's only taken eight shots per game to get to thirteen and eighteen. Which honestly, I would like to see him taking even more shots than that, respectfully, mm-hmm. um, than more than eight. But he's being efficient. Um, the Buckeyes are just so that they're just they're very deep. They have, unironically, I feel like this gets thrown a lot every season. Almost, it's like they don't need to have one guy because they have several guys who can do it. Well, right now they basically have five guys averaging double digits, which trivia question that I don't have the answer to. When's the last time that Ohio State had five guys averaging double digits yeah. by the turn of the calendar year? Yeah, I don't have that answer. But it's Sean McNeil's at, at 9.9, so I'll just round up, whatever. It's 10. Yeah, it's 10. So they've got five guys scoring double digits, so they don't really need Justice Sitting to score 20 points a game. They do need him to score, kind of like you just said. They do need him to score like 13 or 14 points per game consistently though and he's he's done that the last couple weeks yeah that's the thing i you know the random 33 point game is great and he probably won them the game against texas tech but i'd much rather him just be consistently around 15 points a game than like fluctuate between 30 and six because they're gonna lose the game that he has six so if, if he can be around 15 a game what you're getting from sense of ball mcneil is like a lightning rod 
Like he, he's sometimes you never even know he's there, but some games he just knocks down four shots in a row and all of a sudden Ohio State's up by 10. It's really nice to have. Obviously, you know, Bruce Thornton has been very steady for them. And then I think every single game, Felix Akpar and Roddy Gale get a little bit better. And um, that's going to be huge going forward. And then, I mean, Eugene Brown has looked good on his since he's returned. Tanner Holden is starting to get into his groove and, and kind of fill in his role a little better. And then you obviously have Ice Likely, who um, for some reason people still can't figure out he's important, even though in the Alabama A&M game, he literally came off the bench twice when they he was he was break glass in case of emergency. And he came in the first time he immediately set up assist and and one. And the second time he immediately got an offensive rebound that led to a three. Like that's just what he does. Like if you can't see his value yet, you're just not gonna see it. But it's there, I promise you. You just gotta look for it. Um, so you know, this that's ten guys. They can run a ten man rotation, and that's so valuable. It's obviously gonna shrink come tournament time, and you're probably gonna shrink that to probably eight. But I think it's shrinking. I think it's shrinking as we speak. I think honestly. it is too. I think it's shrinking as we speak. I just don't really know who you take minutes from. It's probably a little bit of Roddy Gale, but I want to see him because his his potential. Like I hate to say his potential is through the roof, but his potential is through the roof. So I do want to see him a little more. Um, you know, I mean, it's nice to see Bruce Thornton got a break like early in the Northwestern game because I think what was it the Rutgers game? He played thirty nine minutes. You don't really want that from refreshment as good as he's been. That is no slight to Bruce Thornton. You just want him a little more, you know, he's never played this grind that is the Big Ten schedule. He's not going to be able to play 39 minutes a game. You want him more in that 28 to 30 if possible. That's where, again, that's where Ice Likely comes in because he's your second best ball handler. Um, And then you got, you know, you got a lot of, I I think Sean McNeil kind of has to be on the court if he can be just because he spreads out the floor so nicely. And then um, contrary to a weird popular belief that Zed Key isn't playing well, Zed Key's playing very well. And, um, you know, he's had a couple inconsistent bad games, but other than that, he's played great. So I it's it's tough to see kind of where the minutes come from. Maybe they come from Eugene Brown, but I've even already seen the spark on defense I, he provides. I think, so. I think it's gonna be <clears throat> I think it's gonna be uh Gene Brown, I think it's gonna be Roddy Gale. Um, yeah, I mean that's, those the are the two game. obvious answers, but they both played seven minutes, I think, in the last game. You're talking about Zed Key. Um he only has so basically this season in how many games they played? Thirteen. He scored in double digits in 10 of the 13 games. He's had at least 10 rebounds in six of the 13 games. Um, I believe every single, so he's got five double doubles. I mean, come on now. He's, he's one of the most improved players in the country. I think well, but anyway, there's this concept I just, real quick. I just wanted, there's this concept that he isn't playing well against good bigs. That's inaccurate. He is playing inconsistent sometimes. I'll give you that. The amount of big, you know, against North Carolina, you know, he was inconsistent. Like there are times he's inconsistent. But he basically won them the game against Rutgers, and that was against Cliff Amorier, who just gave Zach Eady hell on uh, you know, on Monday night. So, like, Cliff Amorier is easily a top three big and top four big in the conference. So I don't really understand, like, he can play he, – he, he won them the game last year against Duke, against Mark Williams, who's having a very pretty good rookie year in, the, in with the Charlotte Hornets. So he plays well against good bigs. That's not a problem. He's just a little bit inconsistent. I think that's where we're going to need to iron that out because – and that's where Felix Akpara can play a role because Akpara is kind of getting more and more comfortable. Um, he's been as everything they've wanted him to be as a rim protector. He just needs to come a little bit longer. He needs to be a little bit better on the offensive side. But um, you know, when when Zed Key's having one of those kind of inconsistent days, that's where Akpara can maybe step up a little bit and maybe give him a breather. You know, whatever the case may be. So it's nice to have Akpara there. And then next year, kind of a three-headed monster with Austin Park joining the crew. So I don't know how much he'll play, but just having him there would be nice. 
Because I don't think yeah. he's going anywhere. I could be wrong. But I mean, Zed Key, his jump from, <clears throat> excuse me, we did kind of say going into the season, we're like, okay, well, you can see the progression of Zed Key. So like freshman Zed Key was five points a game, played about 12 minutes a game. Sophomore year Zed Key, um, he went from five points per game to about eight points per game. I'm rounding up. It was like 7.8, but just whatever. So five to eight, and his minutes went from 12 minutes to 20 minutes. So you're saying, okay, so what jump can he do now? Are we going to expect another like three-ish points per game? He's jumped from eight points to game, for, per game to 13.4, um, and he's playing 26 minutes per game, and he's shooting 63% from the floor, and he's shooting, although it's not great, 65% from the free throw line is better than his freshman or sophomore year. He's literally impl- improved in every single area of like he's improved in everything so and plus, he, anything, plus he's the vocal should, ta- should he be taking more shots yeah people uh-huh. say that's if he's 100%. shooting 60 percent should he be taking more than seven or eight shots a game yeah that's fair like maybe he should be scoring more and taking more shots than he is because he's actually been that efficient yeah and, and you know well he gets his toughest test of the year um tonight as you know this will come out thursday so tonight so we'll, we'll see how he plays against stack Eady. A lot of, I mean, he, I'm sure he's going to get criticized at some points, and I'm sure that criticism will be unfair because Zach Eady is six inches taller than him. And I'm sure there's going to be people who are like, we need a Zach Eady because 7'4", talented players walk around all the time. Um, that's my favorite thing in the world. We need a five-star seven-footer. Okay, well, there's two of them. So um, that seems like, you know, it's not really a, that's not really a reasonable expectation. But um, sure, I agree, but <laughs> it's not really fair. I mean, that's a pretty good segue into uh, our next part. So Ohio State does welcome the number one team in the country to Columbus um, on Thursday night, 7 o'clock on, I believe, FS1. I think it's Gus Johnson it is. and Jim Jackson on the call, which is absolutely elite. Well, I don't know about um, the call. I know it's FS1. I'm not sure about the call. I don't want to. No, I'm saying I'm pretty sure it is Gus Johnson and Jim okay. Jackson, cool. which is a fucking elite combo right there for this game. But anyway, um, despite – the loss the other night to Rutgers, uh, this is still going to be one of, if not like the toughest game on Ohio State's schedule this season. Um, because Purdue, very obviously, could win the Big Ten. I didn't, neither of us believed that Ohio State could win the Big Ten as of like literally like a week and a half ago. But I'm starting to feel a little bit more confident about this team's chances to put themselves up in the top four and at least be dangerous. Uh, to potentially win or at the very least like stick in the top four so this is a big one that you need to have two two giants going at it yeah quickly Ohio State and so I didn't think they could win the Big Ten until the Northwestern game and I recognize saying that it's kind of weird because you shouldn't take too much from playing Northwestern however it's on the road so that's another thing there's three reasons why I believe they can win the Big Ten genuinely whips out his powerpoint here we go (laughs) yes as I put my little pointer up to my apartment wall three reasons First reason being, this is the most faith I've had in their guards in the Chris Holtman tenure. Um, not saying they're the most talented guards, but they're the most faith I've had in late game situations. Bruce Thornton is playing like he's a junior, and Ice Likely has been through pretty much everything you could be through as a college basketball player. Um, the CJ Walker Dwayne Washington combo was a little bit more talented, but they had a knack for the really bad turnover at the really bad time. This these guys won't do that. I, I'm confident, unless you know Bruce Thornton might have a couple of freshman moments, but other than that, he's been fantastic. Plus Sean McNeil, again, guy who's been through kind of everything. And Sean McNeil, if you look at his stats, he steps up in like big games. Like in their NCAA tournament games, he was averaging like 20 points a game. So 
that's nice. I like that. Plus, obviously, Tanner Holden. Um, I like their guard combo, and that's obviously huge winning in March. People think it's – for some reason, people think you need a great big to win in March. You really don't. You need good guards. That's the thing. Secondly, there's no runaway team. I mean, just sometimes you benefit because the Big Ten's not that good. Big Ten's not that good this year. Um, I don't know who the favorite is right now. Maybe it's Rutgers because they're, like, technically 3-0 in the Big Ten. I mean, I, you know, they did beat – I guess you could argue they beat Ohio State uh, yeah, scoreboard, yeah. scoreboard. But um, – yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's Rutgers, maybe it's Purdue, maybe it's – I don't know. I think you could argue it's Ohio State, honestly. Um, so, you know. Andy, Andy Katz was – apparently Andy Katz is on Big Ten Network saying it. On, yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, apparently Andy Katz was saying the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes could win the Big Ten. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Chris Holman's first year, right? I don't know that this team has a kid of Bates Diop. I think Bryce Sensabaugh is close at this point. But, again, that team wasn't incredible. But they were good on both ends of the floor, and the Big Ten just wasn't that good that year. The only four teams made the tournament. I do think more than four teams made the tournament this year, but there's no team that's just going to run away with it. All teams are going to have some losses. That benefits you late. Then the third reason is just simply um, they ha- they can get it from kind of everywhere. You know, like you said, yeah. obviously Bryce Sensible is the best player on this team. Justice Suing is probably second. But there's going to be a game this year, I guarantee you, where Sean McNeil has 22 points and probably wins them the game. Or Tanner Holden comes off the bench and has 14, and that's the difference. Or Zed Key has a double-double, or that already happened with Rutgers. But, you know, you see, my, they can kind of get it from everywhere, and that's how you win in conference play because guys are going to get hurt, guys are going to get tired, guys are going to get, you know, beat up. If you can have a guy like Tanner Holden off the bench, or, uh, I mean, at this point, Ice Likely is coming off the bench. I'm not sure he'll be on the start. I think they're probably set with Bryce staying in the starting lineup, so Ice is coming off the bench. Yeah. You know, you have – Different, you know, I think Roddy Kale is probably going to have a game where he has 12 and maybe that's the difference, you know. Felix Akpar is a guy, I'm I'm so curious to see how he plays against Zach Eady. You know, can he be the difference maker? Kind of slowing down Zach Eady a little bit. Probably not. He's probably going to get two quick fouls and <laughs> put himself in a bad position. But I think he can be a difference maker in some of these games against like the Trace Jackson Davises of the world. So they could just, I'm more confident in this team's overall depth than I've ever been. And, uh, and that's a good sign. I mean, it was. I think it was Adam Jardy that had the stat that they played with a full lineup against Northwestern. That was like the first time in three years. That's nonsense. That's nuts. So it's very cool to see. Those it's are like, my three reasons. It's thank you, Professor. Any questions? <laughs> um, it, it's it's one of the most uh, to me. It's one of the most annoying and and like cliche things that coaches say. And it's so I get so tiresome. Um, it's the old, you know, well, we may not have one guy that can do it, but we really do think that we have, you know, it's going to be by committee. We have several guys who we think can, can maybe win us a game in any certain night. We have a lot of guys that we think could maybe score 20 points in any given night. And every year it's so, it's so cliche because maybe he's talking about somebody like Kyle Young or like Andre Wesson who like, sure, maybe they can get you 10 points, but they're probably not going to this Mm -hmm. team literally is like a dragon that has five different heads. Yeah. For the they've already time. they've already shown it. I mean, Sean McNeil had 15 against – he was right. leading the team until fifth points for a lot of that game. So that was huge, you know, stuff like that. For the first time since Holtman's been here, they it, it is actually accurate that they really do have like five different heads. And Sean McNeil talked about it a couple games ago. It might have been the Alabama A&M game. And what he said really got me thinking. He said, you know, when teams are prepping for us, usually what a team wants to do is try to circle one guy and say – you know, we want to circle this guy and we want to take him out of the game, right? We, we want to make him the, our main target. Let's remove him from the game and make it, make it harder for them, right? So hypothetically, if Ohio State's a five-headed dragon and you slash off Bryce Sensabaugh's head, right? You slash him off the dragon. 
you still have Justice suing Sean McNeil, um, even though Bruce Thornton doesn't hunt a bunch of shots. Bruce Thornton's still averaging over 10 points a game. And he's and proven he can knock him down, which is a yes, big thing. Yes, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the Big Ten right now. Which is crazy. You still have, you still <laughs> have, four other, you have four other guys on this team right now that realistically can score 20 points and I guarantee each of you, each of you, each of them will score 20 points at least one time moving forward. Oh, so it's so hard yeah. to prepare for this team when you could focus on Sensible and say, we're going to we're gonna take him out of the game. Cool. You have four other guys now that are going to make you pay if you give too much resources to stopping Sensible. If you say, we're going to stop Zed Key, he's not going to score on us today. Okay. Well, if you want to double Zed Key and you want to leave any of those other four guys open to just hit open shots, they will do it. So it's it's ironic, but they generally don't have a guy on this team that's probably going to end the season averaging like 16 points a game, but they might end this season with five guys that are scoring 10 points per game, and that's got to be hella stressful to prepare for if you're an opposing team. I think it was Bardo on the Stephen Bardo on the call with the Northwestern game, and at one point Ohio State got off to a really quick start, obviously, and then they brought in Tanner Holden. He kind of jokingly was like, and as Ohio State's offense is already humming, they bring in their – 25 point scorer from last year, Tanner Holden, who obviously, you know, did it at right state, but still, like Tanner Holden can score at a at a high clip once he like I said, he's he's getting adjusted into his new role, but I think we're starting to see every game he gets a little more and more comfortable and whatnot. Um, you know, the and then you, you bring a seven footer off the bench of Felix Ipar, and you bring Roddy Gale, who's kind of like he, he's just, he's a little too fast for his own mind. His body moves quicker than his mind does sometimes, but still, I mean, incredibly high potential in the offensive end. So there's just so much this team can bring. And also the funny part is, you know, you always like, I agree that cl- that is a cliche of like, we don't have one guy that can do it. We have a bunch. They also have one guy that can do it <laughs> in Bryce Sensible. Like there's going to be a game. He probably has 26, 27 and wins them the game. Or I wouldn't be surprised if Justice Suing has another Texas Tech kind of game. So those are the two that can really like elevate, elevate you. And then yeah, you have the you- rest that can really fill in the puzzle. If you dig, if you if you I'm trying to think of the word, if you give too much resources, if you're like we're going to we're going to double Zed Key, or anytime that Bryce Sensabaugh puts the ball on the floor, we are going to double him. We are going to send extra help over to stop him. Like this team is the number two most efficient offense in the country, and it's not a fluke anymore. After no. like three or four games, you could say, eh, you know, it's early. Like they've already played several very good teams, right? This and is good defensive teams specifically. Yes. They've already played some really good defenses and some really quality teams. Some of them they've won. A few of them they've lost. Even on the ones that they lost, it wasn't their offense that hurt them. It was their defense. But like that's just who they are at this point. If you if you focus too much on one guy, Justice Suing will drive to the basket. I think he had like five or six straight points against Northwestern to start that game. Um, Sean McNeil is not a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. If you back off of him, he will also dribble right in and hit a little he'll, – he'll hit a floater. He's not Justin Arms. No. He will go to the basket. If you don't put two guys – there have been very few centers that we've seen this year that can take Zed Key one-on-one, even though he's only 6'8 or whatever. For the most part, teams have to send a second guy to stop Zed Key. Um, they are actually that good on offense. It's not a, it's not a fluke anymore. Defense, yeah. they're not mm-hmm. – they're not quite there yet, but it's, offense, com- it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's getting there. And again, the good part is, you know, on defense, they're going to be benefited by the fact that they don't, you know, that Big Ten is struggling. There's not a lot of amazing offensive teams in the Big Ten that you're going to see. So I, I'm really confident in this team. I do think they have a look. I'm not. I'm not going to pen them in. I will say I did put a five dollar futures bet on them winning the Big Ten, but I'm probably not going to pencil them in as as the favorite right now. I, this could completely change if they beat if they beat Purdue. I'm comfortable saying they're the favorite. 
I think most yeah. people will be. Gamble, I think they'll Gamble be a top 15. Gamble responsibly, boys and girls. Of course, um, of course Gamble is fine. That's why I was five bucks. Um, you know, and this is a big week because at Maryland is no joke either. It, it's, it looks weird because Maryland just got, a ple- just got obliterated by Michigan. But Maryland's still a good basketball team that could put it together at any point. And, again, it's one of those road conference games that just kind of gives you – I mean, they lost to Maryland last year and they should have beat them. So, um, this is a big week for Ohio State. If they can go 2-0 and this week, I think they would solidify themselves with Rutgers as probably the two favorites in the Big Ten. Because Purdue, if you lose twice in the same week, people are going to start to kind of paint it's very. It's a very odd optimism that I have about Ohio State winning this this uh, game against Purdue. I do too. Um, like I said about throwing the $50 whatever free bet that I got in DraftKings on Ohio State. I mean, ESPN's BPI has them as a 70% chance to win this game against the number one team in the country, which – I know they won't be number one on Monday, but until Monday, this is still the number one team in the country. Optically, they, yeah, they're the number one team in the country. I, I, maybe you can the speak. The betting lines aren't out. The betting lines aren't out either. But I'm sure that once the betting line comes out, Ohio State's probably going to be a slight favorite to win this game at home. Yeah, they, I think they're going to be a slight favorite. Um, and maybe you can speak on this a little more. Maybe you understand a little more than I do because I don't pay as much attention as you do. The analytics absolutely love this team. Like love Purdue? this team. No Ohio State. Yeah, because they're efficient on offense. They almost always like they goes down to points per possession. So I mean, how I'm sure defense they, has to do with that too, though. So I mean, defensively, they're not. Oh, you're talking about the opposing defense. Yeah, I just mean like like they're 12th in Ken Palm. They're like seventh in Haslametric stuff like that. You know, they it tends it the the analytics like this team more than like the AP poll does, and uh, it's just it's interesting to always see kind of the the dynamic between those two. So, that's because so the, the metrics the metrics are going to give you credit for even in a loss the even in a loss the metrics are still going to measure out okay we know you lost this game but how efficiently did you operate on offense how efficiently did you operate on defense it, it kind of shaves out some of the luck um, and it really just looks at how many points are you scoring every time you have the ball and how much is your opponent how much is your opponent scoring when they have a chance to score against so like the AP poll isn't really giving you as much credit in like a close loss because like Purdue, they lost by what one to Rutgers. And let's say if they lose by one to Ohio state this week, they're going to fall from one down to like somewhere between, I don't know, eight and 12 somewhere. But even after the loss, Purdue is still number seven in Ken Palm because it's very clear that they still played a pretty solid game minus the turnovers. And they only lost by one point. AP poll just looks at wins and losses for the most part. It is funny too. You say like it takes away some of the luck. So it takes away Pete Nance hitting a f- turnaround jumper from 18 feet to tie the, you know, stuff like that. Cause that is kind yeah. of luck. And it know? takes away, right. And it takes away Tanner Holden hitting a, um, a shot that shouldn't have counted. And that's kind of why Rutgers is still number 16 in Ken Palm with four losses. They're the highest ranked. Um, I take that back They're the second highest ranked four loss team in Ken Palm, because same thing, Rutgers still played a great game on the road at Ohio state should have won probably got the loss, but like the metrics still see that as Rutgers playing a very good game. Yeah, what a three games Ohio State is coming up. Purdue at home, then at Maryland, then at Rutgers, right? Yeah. No, Minnesota's um, in between there. Minnesota at home's in between there. My apologies. Okay, bless that up. That's a nice little break in the middle. You it's gotta funny. you gotta win that. I'm gonna be so I'm more nervous for those games than I am like like okay, if they lose to Purdue tomorrow, whatever, they lost to Purdue. Ooh. If they lose to Minnesota at home, it's like the house is on fire. 
So that I get more nervous during those games than I do against big games because like if you lose a big game, you're gonna lose a couple, whatever. You can't lose the Minnesota home. You gotta beat them. And they don't they don't even go to the barn. They get Minnesota once. You gotta beat them. So I think there they will, be, but it's just there'll be, there be an emergency podcast if they lose to Minnesota. But um <laughs> we man, this started as let's talk about Purdue, and then we just went on a total rant about just Ohio State. We do yeah. need to talk about we do have to talk about Purdue just a little bit. Um and you kept you mentioned ice likely a little bit. And I think that honestly, that's going to be a matchup that Ohio State should be able to take advantage of. Not that Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith aren't good, but very good. They're not. They're not huge. Um, no. Fletcher Lawyer is bigger than I thought, though. But not size wise, I, I think that having Ice Likely and Bruce Thornton in the game, um, they're just both bigger, stronger, more muscular guards that I think should be able to drive on those Purdue guards a little bit. I just think there's a little bit of a size mismatch there. I like Ohio State's guards a lot better in this matchup than I like Purdue's. Not that yeah, they're Bruce, not good, Bruce but. Thornton, and, and this was like a credit a lot of people gave him if they watched him in high school, but you can already see it in college. The way he can finish in traffic is like chef's kiss. It's beautiful to watch. He's so good at just kind of putting that shoulder down and just getting a floater off or a layup or kind of a, you know, and it, the way – the way that the, the talent that these freshmen have are, is just insane to watch. Um, you know, Purdue is a very good team, but as we talked about with our guest, uh, which I don't even know why I'm like still teasing it because it's in the title of the podcast. We talked to uh, Rafael Davis of, with the Big Ten Network. Uh, we'll get to that shortly, but he mentioned as well, they're really shooting very poorly from three right now. And that is, you know, when you have a star big man like Zach Eady, and I agree, he says this too, and I agree with him. You just he's gonna get his like twenty and ten, whatever. If you can shut down everybody else, that's the big thing. And also when you have a guy like that, when your team is struggling to hit shots, it makes it so much harder on them because you don't have that benefit of just kicking it out and shooting a three, kicking it out to an open man, because they're not hitting the threes. So that's such a that's gonna be the I think that's gonna be the biggest thing in this game is does Purdue hit threes or not? And if they don't, I think Ohio State wins. If they do, I think Purdue wins. So that that's my like key X factor of the game. Um, you know, so I, I, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see that. And I think we'll see that very early, you know? Yeah. I'm excited to see. And we also did ask, um, we asked him about, we asked him the same question as what do you think Chris Holtman will scheme up? And he kind of, he didn't really say directly what he thinks Holtman will do. I don't know if because like he's with big 10 network and he went to Purdue and stuff, he couldn't directly say like, this is what I would do to stop Zach Eady. Like it's the secret sauce, but I'm, I'm interested to see what, Holtman schemes up to slow down Zach Eady because uh, you you can't go one on one with him down low. You no, just can't. Do it. You can't. It doesn't matter who on Ohio State. You cannot put Akpara or or Zed Key. Doesn't matter. You cannot go one on one down low. You're going to have to send help every single time he touches the ball, which then in turn is going to leave somebody open. Which means can Zach Eady find the open man quickly enough and set up another shot? If he can't, you know. It's really going to test Ohio State's defensive communication and their defensive unity because then Zach Eady's going to kick it back out. The guy that helped is going to have to slide back, and they're going to have to prevent the shot that has been passed out. Um, it also is going to test their transition offense because, as we all know, that's the best way to get going on transi- in transition the other way is miss threes. So if they can keep Zach Eady – and Rafael again mentioned this – keep him off the offensive glass, secure defensive rebounds, and then get moving on the other end – they're probably a little bit faster than Purdue and more athletic, so that's where you know you can really start to maybe expose them a little bit. So those, yeah. if I said those would be those would be my two X factors in this game. 
Purdue's one of the slowest teams in the Big Ten. I think yeah. they're like 315 in tempo um, because, I mean, their entire offense, if if they could do what they want to do, it's going to be to go slow, set up the offense, dump it down to Zach Eady yeah. down low. Right. Every yeah, possession they, they if run they can. yeah, they run everything through Zach Eady. So, Which you know, I would as well. If I had a 7-4 talented yeah. big man, I would Checks out, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're going to have to just – they're going to have to throw multiple defenders at him, two, even three. Damn it, I don't even care. Throw three or four guys down there on Zach Eady. And if oh, especially if, to start the game, like force them to make shots. Now, if they start if making can, shots, yeah. you adjust. And they kick it out, and Braden Smith and Brandon Newman hit back to back threes on you, even though they're kind of struggling right now. Okay, all right, we have to adjust. But until they can prove that they can do that, send two, three, four, five guys down at Edie. Just send the whole team down at Edie. Um, don't let him score 30. Don't, don't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be Ohio State, it will probably be the favorite. They have uh, a very good odds to win, according to ESPN. It's a home game, um, which is always important. They're not playing at Mackey. The student section is not there because the students aren't back yet. But I think as of this afternoon, they'd already sold like 15,000 tickets. So I expect that that'll probably go up by another couple thousand by, by Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I'd expect this to mostly get a sold-out crowd. So that's a quick intro to, uh, to Thursday's game. But to really get a good feel for the Purdue side of things, uh, we wanted to get Purdue Pete himself on the show to talk about it, but unfortunately he was unavailable. So we went with the next best, best the next best thing, uh, former Purdue guard Rafael Davis. For the folks that uh, are not familiar, Rafael is a 1,000-point scorer at Purdue. He played there from 2012 to 2016. Um, he played with guys like A.J. Hammonds, Vince Edward, Dakota Mathias, who was there for eight years, um, that group of guys. So we talked about this upcoming game as well as just general thoughts about the Purdue program um matt painter you know he obviously went and committed and he played for matt painter um like what he loves about matt painter and the consistency at that program um he also talked about which teams have the best chance of winning the big 10 in his eyes and as you said rafael is now an analyst for the big 10 network um he mans the desk four nights a week so if you like what you hear he's on tv all the time so we'll go ahead and get to it here's our interview um, with former purdue guard rafael davis all right with number 24 ohio state welcoming the number one purdue boilermakers to columbus on thursday night we are excited to be joined by big 10 network analyst and former purdue guard rafael davis to break down this humongous game in the big 10 Rafael, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. I'm uh, glad to be on. Appreciate you guys having me. So to start out, uh, most people that are listening to this probably watched the Rutgers-Purdue game the other night. Um, I'm sure you did as well. What, what things do you think Purdue needs to either be a whole lot better at or at least sharpen up a little bit heading into Thursday night? Oh, I think it's simple. With Purdue, um, two things stand out. It would be – the 13, 14 turnovers they had against Rutgers, and Rutgers would do that to you. I'm uh, sure Ohio State's fans are familiar, but uh, mm-hmm. they had 13 turnovers, and sometimes it's not about the turnovers. It's about what the team does based off the turnover. Rutgers went and scored 18 points off of their turnovers. That's the game right there. Purdue goes 19 for 28, I believe, from the free throw line. So you miss nine free throws at home, and you lose by one. So, I mean, that's a tough one to swallow. And then also, I mean, the last five games, Purdue has shot 23% from three. 
And this was a team that led the Big Ten to start the year, three-point shooting percentage. So that's the biggest glaring issue is they can't shoot the basketball right now for some reason. And they got a lot of good shooters. But give a lot of credit to Rutgers. And obviously, if the referee makes the right call at the end of the game, they beat Ohio State. So they're one of the best teams in the Big Ten. So got to get hats to them as well. Yeah, and Rafa, I'm curious if you kind of – can see a pattern with this Rutgers team, especially just against Purdue in the past three years, they're they've won five out of six against Purdue. What have you kind of seen just watching those games to where Rutgers can really make Purdue uncomfortable? I mean, they just make, especially this year, they're going to make everybody uncomfortable. I mean, they did it to Indiana, even with um, Cliff Amore on the bench with foul trouble. They did it to Ohio state. They just are, they're long, they're athletic. They get after you. The physical is tough. It's kind of like one of those old, old school Michigan State teams, in my opinion, where you know they're going to be physical, but it's nothing you can do about it. It's no way you can you can prepare for that. It's no way you prepare for a six seven point guard of Paul Mulcahy or Cliff or Caleb McConnell's defense. So they just get into you, man. They just are physical and they try to punk you, and they just been punking teams this year from the very beginning. And I don't think Purdue this season was. Um, or last season, they were tough enough mentally or physically to deal with that. Yeah, and just looking at this Ohio State team, what have you seen from them so far that kind of makes them difficult to prepare for? Um, you know, obviously they're one of the better teams on offense, but what in general kind of makes them tough to to match up with? Well, yeah, they're one of, one of the better teams on offense. Again, two years, I mean, two years in a row. Look back to last year. I mean, and their Achilles here last year was, to me, it was their defense. But this year, they they seem to pick up their defensive effort. I know Coach Owens, he's joined staff. Coach Owens, Jack Owens was the guy that actually recruited me to Purdue. So without Coach Owens, I don't know if I end up at Purdue. So he's on staff now. And I know he, um, if it's one thing that Coach O cares about, is defense. And you'll see games where you'll see Coach Holtman out there coaching the guys. You'll see an assistant on one knee screaming out the plays, and that's normally Coach O. So defense is um, – they're playing at a higher level on defense. And also I'll give that credit to Justice Suing being back, the athletic the athleticism he has on the wing. He can shut guys down. He can rebound the ball. I mean, he can score it. He can, he can distribute it. He can do pretty much everything on the floor. He's been a great luxury to have back. And the freshmen are playing beyond their years. They're both – both of the starting freshmen, Bruce Thornton and uh, Bryce Sensaval, they have a maturity about them where Bruce Thornton is, doesn't not, does not play like a freshman point guard. I know Brandon Smith has got a lot of them attention this, this season at Purdue, but I think Bruce Thornton is right there with them as far as he doesn't turn the ball over much. He makes open shots. He gets in there. He rebounds and fights, and he'll guard you. He, he's tough. I, I watched Bruce a lot in, in Atlanta when I lived down there for a while. And then uh, Bryce Sensabaugh can just really score the ball. He's probably the best pure scorer at the wing position in the league, and when you got a guy like that to go get you a bucket, you think about the North Carolina game, just go get us a bucket and let us deal with it on defense. That always keeps them in games. I got a lot of good things about Ohio State, honestly, because Zed Key in the middle, Akpara, his growth throughout the season, they have a real deal interior presence, and they have leadership. A lot of teams, you look around the league, they don't have great leadership. And you could attest it to the NIL culture, you could attest it to transfer portal, but Ohio State's done a great job. Like Purdue, they've been able to get young while staying old in their program. So Zed Key, Justice Suing, 
those guys, I mean, Eugene Brown, they've been around coach for a while. They know exactly what he wants. They know how that program should run in the ins and outs of it. So they can mold the younger guys into what it looks like to be successful at Ohio State. And it's uh, those things are just, it's just recipes for success. And I think that'd be one of the best teams in the league. Get get old while staying young, I think is, that's a good phrase. And I'm going to have to hold on to that one because that's a really good way to describe this Ohio State team. But yeah, cause uh, in college basketball, you got to have guys, even you think about those Kentucky teams, they had Liggins or they had older guys off the bench. You go to that team that won a championship. They had, I had two two players that weren't freshmen that was on that championship team. So you always you try to get old, but you try to stay young and talented. And I think Ohio State's done an amazing job at it. Bouncing back to the Boilermakers, you just mentioned Braden Smith. I would like your general thoughts on that backcourt duo of Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. I know Matt Painter had a really – he had a really funny comment. It might have been right after the Rutgers game where he said, if I had half the confidence of what Fletcher Lawyer has, I would just be such a happy guy. Do you do you think that those two guards can sustain this level of production through a full 20-game Big Ten schedule? Or do you think that maybe the grind of this schedule is going to wear on them a little bit and you're going to need some other guys like maybe Newman, maybe David Jenkins to, to step up a little bit as as we go forward? Yeah, I think the grind of the schedule, it's, it's going to wear on everybody. Like It's going to wear on Jay Key just as much as it wears on those freshmen. I mean, because this is – a grind it wears on the coaches you can't really it's not those things you get used to it, every, mm-hmm. especially this season I think it'll be a game I mean you see Nebraska beat Iowa you see Nebraska contest with Purdue I think this year you have across the league at least maybe not everybody can score a lot of points but he, like you look at Northwestern Northwestern is one of the best defensive teams in the country so every night is going to be a fight I think Purdue's freshmen I think they get better over time honestly I don't think they play well at all to start the season when you think that they're I think they've Look at Fletcher Lawyer's percentages. He hasn't shot the ball well this season. And I know from being, living in Fort Wayne, him being from Fort Wayne, he's a 40, 45% three-point shooter. And that's not just in high school. That's in whenever he goes in the gym, he should make shots. So I think that raises for him. So I think that gets better. I think he takes easier shots as the season goes on because other guys step up into bigger roles as well. And then Brandon Smith. I think with Braden Smith, I think the more and more he gets comfortable with being aggressive offensively will help him. I think as the season goes, it's the more and more film he gets to watch and the more and more film he sees where Coach Painter is telling him, you got to shoot this ball, you got to shoot this basketball, it's just going to help him. They need him to be aggressive. They need him to be aggressive, to score the basketball, not just to dish it. So I think it, I think it helps him. I think Brandon Newman is continually getting better off the bench. I think he's going to be big. David Jenkins, like I said, we talk about their three-point percentage. David Jenkins is a career 40% three-point shooter. And it's not it's not as if it's on low volume. He's made over 325 threes in his career. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's a lot of threes. That's, I mean, he's got over 1,800 points. He maybe could score 2,000 points. So Yeah, he's been around for right a minute. Right now, he's shooting. He, and this is actually just his fifth year. So he did all of that in four, a four-year career. So this is just his fifth season. So he made 300 threes in four years. And it doesn't matter what level you play on, in my opinion, if you can put, if you can make shots. And right now, I think he's shooting sub 50, but sub 20% from three. So once he starts making shots, it adds dimension. So I think once it sounds simple, but once the ball starts going in, you don't want to be that team where Purdue finally makes 10, 12 threes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just curious, actually, because you mentioned the grind of the Big Ten schedule. As someone who's played in it, is there a certain point 
especially like as you get into the conference schedule that it really hits you? Or is it just kind of just as the season wears on and on and on getting into March Madness? No, I don't think it's not. I mean, you may get injured here and there, so it may feel like it. So, I mean, if a guy takes an early ankle injury, he'll feel it at the beginning compared to you take one at the end. So, Mm -hmm. I guess uh, uh, other than injury, I don't – not for me. Not for me. We never discuss things like that in the locker room because, I mean, the practices tend to get shorter. Mm-hmm. So it comes to a point in the season where you really just feel like you're doing walkthroughs and playing games. So yeah. I don't – I think it's up to the coach. Coach Painter always uh, – he did a great job, especially the years when we were competing to win the league. We had a couple seasons where we weren't winning the Big Ten, so it felt different. But those last two years we were competing to win the league, he really did a great job of keeping it light but keeping it serious. And then we had – like we have a game. It's not like we were going three-hour practices. If you're going three-hour practices in between games – Every single day, and you're competing hard every single practice. It's going to wear down on you differently. But I think a lot of coaches now kind of treat the middle middle way through the Big Ten towards like an NBA season. And you know, obviously, stopping Zach Eady is is a big thing. You know, it's it's you don't face too many Zach Eadys throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Columbus Dispatch's Adam Jardy, friend of our pod, had an interesting stat that. Through four games against Ohio State, Zach Eady's averaging just 10 points a game. So Chris Holman has done a good job of kind of scheming up different ways to stop him. And I know Kyle Young's been a big part of that. Now he's not there. What do you kind of think Chris Holman's going to try to scheme up? And just Obviously, you're not going to stop Zach Eady. He's going to get his, but just to slow him down a little right. bit. I don't want to um, disrespect the stat, but that's a little skewed when you think about <laughs> Zach having to split time with Travion Wade. Yeah, well, and he did have 20 of those his last game against Ohio State, so he's definitely getting, you know, he's getting more used to it. So I guess that's it's another way the, scat, the stat's a little skewed. Yeah, so, yeah, I would say, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to prepare for him, especially this season. I think he's in better shape. I think he's moving better. I think he, I think he's get, I think the first thing you got to tell someone I mean, you know he's going to score the ball on the block because he's just bigger than some people. He's just going to score the ball. But you can't let him kill you on the offensive glass. It can't be a game where Zach Eady gets five, six offensive rebounds. And I think that's what also hurt Purdue against Rutgers because sometimes their best offense is throw the ball up, let Zach Eady go get it. And when you have 13, 14 turnovers, you miss out on four or five possessions where that could have happened. So I think um, the first step is letting your guys know you got to hit him because he's coming. He is coming every single time. And then force him to you, – you've got to try and force him to go over his right shoulder and don't let him go over that left shoulder, go middle into that middle of the lane. And then it's all about your schemes defensively. I think I think Ohio State is strong enough inside to stay one-on-one at times with Zeki and with Akpara. I think, they, I think they're going to send a double. It's just a matter of are you going to send a double with the guard or are you going to post-trap? And I think the the recipe to beat Purdue right now is you try to just make it difficult on Zach Eady and you force somebody else to beat you. I think Zach's going to get his 20 and 10 most nights, but who else is going to step up to beat you? You go to the Nebraska game, Fletcher Lawyer stepped up and had 21, but I don't think a guy was in double figures outside of Zach Eady against Rutgers. So you force somebody else to beat you and just live with the results. And then talking about, talking about Eady, um, I had a quick question for you about his passing because just being honest, one of the most annoying things about the last few years with Purdue, and he was one of the most fun players I've ever watched, Travion Williams, he had a knack for always finding the guy who wasn't just open, but he was ready to shoot. So you could double Travion Williams 
he would always right. find the man that was in position to shoot. So you really couldn't double him, even though you had to. To me, it kind of seems like right now with Zach Eady's outlet passes, he's more just trying to get it out of the scrum. It's not always going to be directly to the guy in position to shoot. Where, where do you think his progress is right now as a passer? Because that could be a key, I think, for this Purdue team to take a, a huge next step, whether that's this season or next season, um, as he continues to improve. I don't. I don't. You get so, we get we get we get so spoiled with guys like Travion or guys like Caleb Swanigan. and Caleb Swanigan could really pass that. Um, just because Purdue's had so many of those you, great passing bigs. Yeah, I think you just get. I think you just get back to the point where you just want Zach to be simple. I don't know if you want Zach or even care if Zach is getting four or five assists a game. I think a lot of it is Zach, get it out your hands, make the right pass. Maybe it's not to the shot. But one thing Purdue was doing really well early, and that I just – I try to paint the picture so you can see it in your head, is that um, Zach would – and this is what they were doing against Gonzaga, Duke, um, West Virginia. I mean, Zach would kick it out, and they would make a reversal, and then they would make the extra pass. And Purdue is, was really good at making the third pass. So you make the pass out. And then that first pass, maybe they don't shoot that one. But then they mm-hmm. make that swing pass. And then that guy on that pass, he drives it. And then they make a pass. It's kind of so Zach is really getting a semi-hockey assist, if you think about it that way. Sure. So I think if you look at the hockey assist he can get instead of the actual assist, I think it'll be uh, – I think that will improve. I don't think he can continue having three turnovers a game. I think that's too many. But I think more times than not, you just want Zach shooting the basketball. <laughs> and I know um, that sounds simple enough, but I would want Zach to shoot it more than he, and pass it when he absolutely has to. Now, my next question originally was going to be specifically about Ohio State, but we kind of covered it already, so I'm not going to quite go there. In general, there's, there's so much variance in the Big Ten this season of, of what was expected to be at the top versus who kind of climbed from the, ex- air quotes, the expected middle to the top. What do you, What do you see as like the – kind of the top tier of the Big Ten as it stands today, like maybe your couple teams that are going to possibly get that double buy in the Big Ten tournament. Who would you throw up there right now? Yeah, if I had to go four, I would go uh, Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Those would be my four. Okay. Um, I mean, oh. and that was, my, that was pretty much my four coming into the year. It depends on the year. And I, I think I had Iowa that's at my, at the top five, but I mean – Patrick McCaffrey uh, taking the time needed, much needed time to himself. Uh, not sure what is going to go on with the Iowa team. I think this time will be great for Patrick to kind of step away and really get healthy and really um, get back to having fun. Because college basketball, that is the grind that no one talks about. And uh, college basketball is tough as far as – and even when I played, I mean – I was kind of playing in the early Twitter boom where you get you miss a layup and you get on Twitter and this guy's calling you the worst basketball player in the world. You got fans wanting you to transfer. And, I mean, you got fans screaming for you to transfer. Then when you transfer, you're the worst person in the world. So mentally, as far as dealing with a lot of that stuff, it's tough. So I, I wish Patrick the best there. We all kind of go through that part of it. And that's the part that doesn't get spoke about enough. But I think um, – Iowa with a healthy team. I think they're one of the best teams too. 
Yeah, and you know, I have a quick question about just Penn State in general. I was really, we were both really high on Penn State coming into the year. I think Michael Shrewsbury is an amazing coach, and I think Jalen Pickett's one of my favorite players of the past like decade in the Big Ten. Where are you kind of at with Penn State? You know, as we're recording this, they got a big game tonight against Michigan. Yeah, I'm right there. I think Penn State is right there in that next group. I think they could finish top six, seven in the league, get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, they shoot the ball so well. They make 11 threes a game at a almost a 40% clip. It's hard to guard those guys when they're making shots. And they got two guys on their team. Well, they got four guys with 1,000 points. I mean, two guys with over 1,800 points and Cam Winter, Jalen Pickett. And they both been the best player in their situation. So defenses don't surprise those two guys. So they're playing with two point guards that have been around the block. So you're not going to surprise them much. You're not going to speed them up much offensively. So they don't turn the ball over too many times. Andrew Funk has really come alive. Those um, The games they lost, the Michigan State game, the Clemson game, he struggled shooting the basketball. He didn't shoot the ball well. He, and the thing is, he had good looks. He had open shots. He just missed them. And yeah. uh, for the last few games, he's been shooting the ball really, really well. And really, I mean, that Illinois game, you added a spunk to him, and he's been off since, going off since. So he's been great. Uh, Seth Lundy is right there with the one of the best defenders in the league. I think he should have – I think he got – 100% slighted last year. We, I was really upset for him when he didn't make the all-defensive team. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you look at what he did. You go back and look at those box scores and what he did to Keegan Murray, Jaden, Jay Nivey, and uh, Johnny Davis. That, I mean, that's impressive. And, I mean, you put him on the best player on another team no matter what position. And his steal numbers won't blow you away. The block numbers won't throw you away, blow you away. But if he's guarding you, you're going to shoot lower than your percentage and that's a big deal you put you so you can put him on guards and kind of take him out of the game so that's a that's always a, a big step and then like you said Jalen Pickett is not just in the big tens but come one of the better guards in the country and one of the things offensively that Penn State struggled with was going to be a post interior presence and now you just throw Jalen Pickett down there and it's at the point where if Jalen Pickett is on the block you got to treat him like he's Zach Eady you got to send a double you got to get out his hands, and he's the guy that's going to make the right pass into a three-point shot. So it's just dangerous. Defensively, it's going to tonight will be the biggest test they've had, I think, especially with Hunter Dickinson coming off a game where he had 32 and just dominated Maryland. I think he's going to try and go inside. But again, too, Miles Dredd, that's a big boy. That's a big dude. Miles Dredd is a big body. He's strong. He may not have the height, but. You're not going to just bury him inside. You're not going to bury Nick Wilson. I mean, you're not going to bury those guys inside. Kevin Jai, his growth, Kevin Jai's growth will be great for this team. Dorsey's growth, Matt Hen, he's come in the last couple couple games and kind of been a post in the, a presence around a, around a basket, especially defensively. So I think Coach Shrewsbury, I mean, he's one of my favorite. I mean, I played for him, so he's one of my favorite coaches I played for. He got those guys to really buy in last season defensively. They weren't greatest offensively, but defensively they bought in. And they really bought into what he wanted to do. And now they have a solid offense in this role. Yeah, and, and just jumping back about a decade now, you know, obviously you mentioned that uh, Coach Owens was a huge factor in, in you going to play at Purdue. Um, you know, we're big Matt Painter fans on here. I think the level of consistency he's been able to kind of achieve at, at that program has been incredible. What about him as a coach is really appealing to play for, you know, Coach Owens as well, and also just how is he able to be? How has he been able to achieve that level of consistency throughout? You know, he's been there almost two decades now. I mean, yeah, Coach O. First off, with Coach O, Coach O is just probably the most genuine dude I know. 
I've known Coach Owen since I was 14. My first time talking to Coach Owen, he hasn't changed. I mean, he's only just become a better version of who he already was. And, I mean, that's just uh, – Coach Owen's probably – I mean, he's just a great man. He's honest. He'll tell you the truth. He'll look you dead in your face and tell you where you need to be better. But he'll show you how you could get better. He told me I was not a great defender at all when he recruited me to Purdue. But he sat down every day after practice and watched film with me. So, I mean, he just uh, – he'll get in the gym with you early. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, he's, you're struggling, Coach O will take you to the movies and you just go hang out. So, I mean, Coach O is just, um, he's a really good, uh, he's a really good coach, a really good man to be around. And that's something about Coach Paint where Coach O played, Co- Coach Paint recruited Coach O. So that goes to, I mean, goes to what I'm going to say about Coach Paint is Coach Paint is big on loyalty, big on family, big on culture. And he, all of his assistants that I play for, they're head coaches. I mean, Coach, Coach Shrewsbury is a head coach. Coach Gary's a head coach. Coach Lusk is a head coach. I mean, Paul Lusk is back. Paul Lusk was there when I was committed to Purdue. He left to be a coach, and now he's back. So Payne is just loyal. He's a genuine guy. He's honest. He's not – in recruiting, I was – I committed to Payne when I was a freshman in high school. And now recruiting, he's not going to – he didn't – he never once told me, you'd be the next Etwan Moore. And you would be the next such and such. You could be in the NBA. It was never a dream. So it was never you come here, you go play this amount of minutes. It was always I'm going to do what's best for Purdue. You come, you work, you'll play. It's that simple. And what you see is what you get. And he's fair as far as with his players. That's why you could see a Brandon Newman struggle last season. He not jumping the transfer portal when it would have been understandable because he knew pain is fair. If you come out and you play hard and you bust your tail, you're going to play. It's just that simple. And at Purdue, you, if you do little things and you play hard, you can make some shots. I mean, you're going to be on the floor. It doesn't take much. So I think um, those things within him make him a great coach and a great leader. And I think he um, – I mean, you look across the country. I don't know if there's too many college coaches that have great relationship with guys that have either been cut by the team or transferred for the team. I mean, Payne keeps the relationship with all of his guys, whether you finish with them or you don't. He's just uh, – he's one of those dudes that's going to stick with you. I mean, he came to my wedding. He's met all of my children, and he, I, my wife, we've stayed at his house. It's just, it goes way beyond basketball with paint, and I think you can feel that early once he's recruited. He's, he's one, of the, one of the few coaches in the Big Ten, not to, not to name anybody or put anybody in the spotlight, but there's, you know, there's a handful of coaches that uh, certain teams, like maybe if you're a fan of Michigan or you're a fan of Michigan State or you're a fan of Illinois, like there's specific coaches that other fan bases are just like, I don't like that guy. I don't know anybody that has ever pointed at Matt Painter and be like, I just don't like Matt Painter. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, and in general, everybody's like, he seems like a good guy. Screw those guys. They win 23 games. Yeah. Single season. It's just like a universal. Everybody kind of thinks he, he seems like a nice guy, even if you have never spoken to him. Oh, no, I agree. And I mean, he does it. And I think a lot of people can respect that he's done it the right way. We were last place in the big 10, my sophomore season. And it was, Hey, Dingle and, I mean, even before NIL, guys were doing NIL. <laughs> and Paint never even thought of going that way. He never once – I mean, I talked with him once. And he he would rather lose his job than cheat. He would rather not do it than cheat. And I think that's just respectable, the way he goes about that. And he really built Purdue. Really, I mean, he came into Purdue. They weren't they weren't really good his first season. They finished last place in the Big Ten. I mean, you, they, you go on a couple of years, you get the baby boilers. They go on some runs. And as you know, we finished last place in the Big Ten. Right when I left, the year I left, we finished last place in the Big Ten. 
And then next year we finished third place in the league, which is crazy. And then again, we finished third. And then that very next year, they won the Big Ten. The next year, they're top three in the country with P.J. Thompson and Vince Edwards and those guys. They won 20 games, 18 games straight. Should have won the league, but they didn't. The very next year, they won the league, went to the Elite Eight. So, I mean, then you get a, a top five draft pick. When the, I mean, it's just the, the things he's done has been um, has been cool to see. And I think a lot of people can respect it because they've seen him build it. And um, when he loses, he's going to take it on the chin. He's not going to blame someone else. When he lost, when we came last place in the Big Ten, he said, I didn't do a good job recruiting guys. He didn't blame it on us. And we did not listen. We were a bad locker room. I can tell you now, it wasn't the coaching staff. We were a bad locker room and had guys fight the coach. So, I mean, after that, he said he wanted to recruit differently. He did it. He stuck to it. And now he's winning with it. And he didn't jump in the transfer portal. He's not going to crumble to NIL demands. He's going to get guys that want to be at Purdue, that want to play hard. And he's going to work with it, win or lose. And I think when you have a coach like that, that's running your program. It's just a lot of the respect that has to go towards it. And then my next question has, has actually got nothing to do with, with, with Thursday's game between these two teams. We just want to get your insight as a former player, pretty recently former player, about the ending of that Ohio State Rutgers game. Specifically, if you are Tanner Holden, just because it's such a weird play that the shot is going to be – he took the shot from so far back and so close to the line. If that's you and you're moving down the court – are you consciously looking at the line? Just because a lot of times in normal plays, I, I think it was Holtman talked about it, and there were a couple other coaches on TV. They're like, so rarely are they going to pinpoint when you step out and call it when you come back in because it doesn't bring itself up that much. It just doesn't doesn't ever happen. But if you're Tanner Holden and you're running down the court, are you like consciously paying attention to the line? I, I guess just we would like your reaction to that play, and it, it just it was odd. It was very odd. Um. I mean, I mean, they missed the call. That's point blank. It missed the call. The big yeah, text came they, out and they, said it the next was, day. Uh, it was just odd how it developed. Um, and because over at the I media tables, run, and I couldn't see it. I mean, I don't know if he uh, knew where he was on the floor. Sometimes you're – I mean, we see guys all the time step out of bounds in the corner, just not know where they're at. I mean, you think they're <clears> in bounds, but you catch it. They call that call. So, I mean, since the heat of the moment, <clears throat> sometimes you don't know where you're at, but – yeah, I, I put that the ref missed the call. They came out and said he missed the call. I mean, there's no moral victories for the players or the teams, but I took a moral victory for Rutgers. <laughs> so, but um, but no, I just don't think he knew where he was at. And uh, he was trying to fan out to the three-point line and maybe just didn't know where he was. Or he could have just – he could have thought he just wasn't going to get the basketball and the time was going to expire and he was going to watch a long shot. So it just you just never know. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me was, and especially because Holtman said he was on the floor to make a long pass if he had to. I just don't think he thought he was going to have to touch the ball. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. he was I like, oh, 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 shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he said just yeah, in case exactly. he had to make a he was, he was the, the best baseball passer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if he's in the game, if, if it's not Drew up for you, he just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I can understand that thing. I can definitely <laughs> understand that. It makes sense to me. It's just crazy then that he caught it and made it. So, yeah. whoever thought of shoot the ball. So, I mean, I thought uh, – he did the right thing. Call, you got to play through the whistle. That's what the coaches always teach, play through the whistle. So, I mean, yep. they got one. <laughs> um, so, we got a couple just quick rapid-fire questions here. Who was, in your time at, at Purdue, who was the toughest guy you had to guard? Um, I would say Tyler Hoss from BYU. Ooh. Uh, he was um, a guy that really, really could score the ball. 
from anywhere on a basketball court. I mean, he could get to his shot no matter what. I mean, he was older too, so he really just knew how to play. He was a physical guard. He was slightly bigger. I don't know if you guys watched BYU much then, but they had a kind of three-headed monster as far as their perimeter guys. Their point guard, could he was about 6'8", could go and get triple doubles and whatnot. So Tyler Halls, he was um, – he was a guy that was definitely, definitely tough to guard. I mean, I think he gave – I want to say he gave us maybe – I mean, I could maybe even go back and look at it. But, yeah, I think he gave us 30. <laughs> Tyler Halls gave us 30. So, he gave us 30. He made 14 free throws. He went 9 and 19. So, he was uh, – that was a tough guard. We won, though. We won in overtime. So, that was good. There you go. What – what is your favorite Big Ten city to visit other than West Lafayette? So you cannot say West Lafayette, but any other of the Big Ten cities that when you're going to cover a game or even when you were playing, you're just like, I, I like to visit that city. That's a good spot. Um, man, to be completely honest, I sucked on the road. If you go look at my road numbers, I was <laughs> terrible on the road. Like, God, it, was honest, it was horrendous. I was one of those guys where you'd be like, why does he not play? I was one of those guys where it was, if he plays well on the road, they're going to win. So you just never knew with me <laughs> looking back on it. But um, if I had to choose one, I think um, huh, I'm actually really thinking about this one. Even even now I, in broad, even now in broadcast, like when you're going on the road just to visit, I, it could be like they got good food. I just like to visit. Iowa had good food. Iowa had good food. Penn State always had a good um. Penn State always had a good food, and we always ate well at Penn State as far as their um. Uh, their lobster biscuit and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Illinois, I like their hotel. I did not like Penn State's hotel, like an old school. Oh, I did not like their hotel. I would say, um, I would say Iowa, just because of their food. Or um, no, I'm lying. I'm lying to you. I take it all back. Illinois, because every time we go to Illinois, we would drive, and halfway from Purdue to Illinois is the Beef House. It's a restaurant, and we eat at the <laughs> Beef House every season on the way to, on the way to Illinois. And the Beef House, I mean, it was. Honestly, probably one of the best restaurants I've ever been to in my life. So I give it to that. <laughs> the, then if we won, if we beat Illinois on the way home, we would stop and get some burgers. They would bring us burgers to the truck, to the bus, or whatever. So we get beat house twice. <laughs> oh, that's nice. A little, little reward. Um, so this one's a two parter. What was your most memorable win from Purdue, and who is your favorite teammate to play with? Uh, my most memorable win. Uh, will be. I got two of them. I got the Michigan State game because um, we hadn't beat Michigan State in my career. They were top five in the country at the time, a top ten, one of the two. I think we were ranked in the top twenty-five. And um, I mean, Denzel Valentine's having the Player of the Year season. Brent Forbes is in the NBA now still. So I mean, they had a really good team, and we beat those guys in Mackey. I had um, I think I made like six, five, six or seven threes or something like that. And I mean, I don't. It was loud in there. That's one of those games where people um, will come up to me now and uh, tell me that that's their favorite game that they've been to a Mackey or that's their memory of Mackey or whatnot. So that's cool to be a part of that moment. But then I would say my actually favorite game, game actually, outside of just the moment, would be the IU game. We beat IU in Mackey my junior year. And, I mean, James Blackman Jr., he was a freshman at the time. And James Blackman and I went to middle school together. So James oh, wow. was a sixth grader and I was an eighth grader. So we were um, – like, I used to pick on him. <laughs> so, and I knew him. I mean, we played on the same AAU basketball team, youth league, YMCA league. So, I knew little James since he was about probably eight, nine years old. So, that was a big one. 
and uh, Bryce and Scott was on my team at that time. We were all from Fort Wayne, so that was a, a big game to have three Fort Wayne guys on the court. And that was the defense. That was my defense of the year, de- player defensive player of the year game. So I I guarded James and I locked him up a little bit, and I got to be real physical with him like we were young again. So that was a big one. And uh, me and James are still cool to this day. We actually just did a basketball camp not too long ago. And uh, we beat those guys. And, and beating IU is always special at Mackey. It doesn't uh, matter. Records go out the window. Everything goes out the window. Can you beat IU at home, man? We had some games in there. My freshman year, they shoved it to us. They beat us by 30, maybe 40 points. And we got Will Sheehy flexing and Victor Oladipo. <laughs> they're up 30, and Tom Crean still has his guys in the game pressing us. So, I mean, that, those type of memories stick with you. So, when you get, when you get those dudes down and you beat them, Especially when you have a big piece, and I think I had 20, 20, 20 or something like that in that game, and I really took James out of it. That was um, that was a big memory to see his parents' face after that game. <laughs> and that was when uh, Purdue and IU, we were both pretty good. So when both teams are good, it makes the game even better. And Justin, did you have a second part of that? Did you ask him about teammates or something? I didn't catch the end. Oh, my favorite teammate, my bad. My favorite teammate, I would say um, – Are you good? I would say John Actius saved my Purdue career. And if it's not John Actius coming to Purdue in October of my junior season, I don't know how Purdue does that year. I don't know if Matt Painter still has a job. I don't know if I end up transferring. Because like I said, we were last place in the Big Ten. And we had five, six guys transfer. We only had four scholarships guys come back, three scholarship guys come back, and then five freshmen come in. And it just was – we didn't have a – P.J. Thompson was a freshman. He wasn't ready to play. We didn't have a point guard. John Octus came in right away on Halloween. So right before we really we really got going with exhibition games, he come in and he gets, he's the point guard, and we finished third place in the Big Ten. And J.O. was from Miami. He brought a different type of um, uh, energy and the confidence to Purdue that Purdue really needed at the time, just having that um, different style of the way he went about life and the way he felt about it he, before every game. Because I was like I, like I said, Coach O called me a terrible defender. That was right before we started that season. <laughs> so we started that year playing a zone. That's how bad we were defensively. And uh, like I said, we know I would I end up winning Defensive Player of the Year. And Jo would always say before every game, um, if, no matter who we were playing, they had a bigger name than us. And he would always say, "Let's eat off of their plate. Let's make a name for ourselves." And uh, I think that year is when Purdue really turned it around and made a name for ourselves. And I credit a lot of that to Jo. Next question really isn't basketball related. I guess maybe a little bit. If you're going up to the concession stand before a game, getting a snack, grabbing some candy, something to snack on before the game, what are you grabbing? So I'm got to think about what a concession stand really have. I would get um, the peanut M and M's in the box. <laughs> um, my wife will get some popcorn. I will get. Um, I would ask if they had lemonade. If they don't have lemonade, I would get a cup of Powerade with no ice. <laughs> And then the kids are probably want my daughter probably want chicken and fries, so that'll be a pretty good <laughs> order. And then, and then and I then, might, if I'm feeling spicy though, let me get it really. If I'm feeling spicy, I may get um, if they got like something interesting, like if a concession stand maybe has like a pulled pork sandwich, I try it. And then more times than not, I just take a bite and I toss it because I mean it's not as good. So yeah. You got to give it a shot, though. I appreciate that. Um, what, what? in our final question is just what Big Ten student section gave you the hardest time? Like, where was the place that every time you guys went, they were just hell to play in front of? Uh, Michigan State was always tough to play at. Um, 
their their fans are tough. I think Indiana. I just, just just because of the rivalry, I think Indiana is a tough venue to play, especially towards the end. We were pretty good, so that last year we played there. That was, they won the Big Ten. We were competing to win the Big Ten, so that was a really good game. I think um, their fans do a good job with the research. They they have out. I mean, just like teams have scout reports. I mean, you go on IU, you go on IU bleachers before a game, and you see the scout report and what they know about you. It's yeah. hilarious. Like they always um. Uh, bring up some little tweets or little things to say or things about your family. Like my sib, both of my siblings went to Indiana. So it was always, um, mm. it was always a good time to go to Bloomington. And it was, I mean, one time we pulled up a guy urinating on our bus or something like that. I mean, it just was, uh, <laughs> oh it was a crazy time every time. That's we nuts. weren't in the bus though. But I, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember if it was an IU Purdue game or not, but, I, I you can hear on TV sometimes the IU student section. I vividly remember when Matt Harms was shooting free throws. They were they were in unison yelling "F you Harms," except they're not oh, saying that. Oh yeah, yeah, clearly. they're like that. And yeah. I'm like, they're when like I was that, at Ohio yeah. State, if we would have got a cheer going like that back in the student section, I would have probably been respectfully asked to leave. And I'm just yeah, I can yeah. hear it, I can hear it in unison on TV that they're yelling this at Harms. <laughs> I was like. Holy shit, man! <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're 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 brutal. I mean, my freshman year it was an eye opener. My freshman year, I guess um, Purdue had some guys get in trouble before I got there, and uh, DJ Bird had got into some trouble. And <laughs> they were yelling "Jail Bird," and it was they had all types of pictures of him. It was, uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. Now I think about it, but yeah, IU uh, when they're good, when IU is good and they're competing to win win championships or be a better team to lose. Those fans, they get a uh, they get pretty crazy. All right, Rafo. We, we know you got a lot of stuff going on today. You're back in the studio tonight. So we appreciate you joining us. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, social media, whatnot, uh, where can they find you? And then also, uh, do you have any specific schedule for BTN? Because once people listen to this, they're going to want to go to BTN and watch you. Uh, for me, you can find me uh, Rafo Davis 3 on Twitter. Then I added my website, um, Rafo Davis Basketball dot com and that's my nonprofit website we do a lot of different things and inner city communities camps and leagues and basketball trainers and whatnot find more about us there and then as the big Ten season gets rolling i will be having um tuesday nights wednesday nights sunday nights and then um tuesday thursday mornings kind of alternating so um but yeah my nights will be tuesday wednesday sundays and that'll be that that's pretty regular and anything else fridays will be sprinkled in and whatnot too Tuesday, awesome. Wednesday, Friday, Sundays. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Oh, no, I appreciate you guys. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, anytime you guys want to have me back on, let me know. And then um, just a shout, a quick shout-out to Deshaun Thomas from Fort Wayne, from my neighborhood, one of the heroes we had growing up. He's a couple years older than me, but he had some fun at Ohio State, too. Yeah, one of my favorite players ever. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's my guy. We do a Deshaun Thomas Summer League every summer where we have um, me and him. We have close to 200 kids. We do it all free at the park we grew up playing with, on the, playing at on, at the, on the south side of Fort Wayne. And it's um, it's going to be our third summer doing it this year. It's um, happened to lower the crew, it's happened to lower the youth crime rate during June and July in Fort Wayne, and it's uh, it's been a great event. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time and good luck with the rest of uh, your Big Ten Network future. I right, appreciate you. Go Buckeyes.
thanks again to Rafael for joining us today. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed his his perspective on the Purdue game Thursday night. Uh, huge matchup in Columbus. Um, I don't think he's he's not on the call. And I don't think he's on post game, but I'm sure he will be tuned in and I'm sure we will hear from him again later this season. Uh, if you found us on the website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wherever you get your music and podcasts, you can find us on the Land Grant Holy Land feed. I'm such an idiot. I was like, who the hell is Purdue Pete? Um, yeah, you can find me at Justin <laughs> underscore Golva on Twitter. Uh, and you can find us at Bucketheads LGHL. Uh, sometimes we tweet from the account. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes I forget. Uh, I get really caught up in the game. So sometimes I just forget to tweet from it. That's my bad. Uh, hopefully we'll do some spaces and stuff in the conference play. We did one with OSC Hoops Insider, which was fun. Um, I forget what game that was after. Might be after the Rutgers game. But anyway, um, yeah, so maybe we'll do more of those. Just want to gauge interest in that. And um, yeah, Connor, where, where are you right now? Currently, address. Um, I'm currently in Columbus, Ohio. I'm in my apartment right now. Um, probably going to go to the gym and, and make dinner here uh, shortly. I'm going to bed. But, but um, it is 6.30 and you're still trying to figure <laughs> out who Purdue is. He sat through that entire interview trying to think, who the hell is Purdue Who Pete? the hell is Purdue Pete? Um, and you could also, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lamond underscore Connor. And I think that's it. I think that is plenty of stuff to get folks all buttered up and ready to go for Thursday night's game against the Boilermakers. So if you made it this far, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Um, Have a great weekend and go Bucks.